0: Are you a character? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Characters Here podcast. I'm your host, author and artist, Sharday. To get all this personality and entertainment, you can follow me on social media at Characters Here. And for more information, visit CharactersHere.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Characters Here Podcast. I am your host, Sade, and this is That's Offensive Part 2, Idols. Let's start off by defining the word idolatry. And this is what I found from the Encyclopedia Britannica's website. It says, idolatry in Judaism and Christianity, the worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God. The first of the Biblical Ten Commandments prohibits idolatry by saying, You shall have no other gods before me. Several forms of idolatry have been distinguished. Gross or overt idolatry consists of explicit acts or reverence addressed to a person or an object, as in the sun, the king, an animal, a statue. This may exist alongside the acknowledgement of a supreme being. For example, Israel worshipped the golden calf at the foot of Mount Sinai, where it had encamped to receive the law and the covenant of the one true God. And my second point is the Bible's definition of the word idolatry. This comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. I'm using the New King James Version. So this lists off the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You should have no other gods before me. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is in your neighbors. There are several mentions of idols and idolatry in the Bible, right? So I pulled the three Bible verses that give those accounts of idolatry and idols. So the first one is Isaiah chapter 46, verse 7. The title is Dead Idols and the Living God. They bear it on, their, on the shoulder. They carry it and set it in its place. And it stands from its place. It shall not move. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer nor save him out of his trouble. The next one is Habakkuk. That's a chapter two verses 18 through 19. The title is woe to the wicked. And it reads, what profit is the image that its maker should carve it? The molded image, a teacher of lies that the maker of its mold should trust in it. To make mute idols. Woe to him who says to wood, awake. To silent stone, arise and shall teach. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver. Yet in it there is no breath at all. The last verse um, that I looked up was in Acts chapter 17. It's in verses 22 to 34. And this one really explains why God is the true God. So the title is Addressing the Era of And I think that's the name of the people. So um, it reads, then Paul stood in the midst of the Aero Pagus and said, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art. man's devising truly these times of ignorance god overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead some mocked while others said We will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionysius the Aparagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Here's some points I wanted to make. I used to believe that too much of anything was bad for anyone. You know, like, oh, you do too much of that. It's bad. Oh, you do too much of that. It's bad now i've learned that that's never the case when it comes to the one and only true god the god of the bible the god of abraham isaac and jacob the god that gave us jesus christ Yeshua hamashiach in hebrew why because god is good and righteous bad evil and wickedness is not from him he doesn't have those traits unfortunately because we are the creation we are born sinners and we have those traits but That's why we have Jesus. He's our savior, our way to God, to heaven. If you want to be saved, he is your path. Choose him. I found an article that mentions things today uh, that can be idols. Just so you can't be excusing your behavior by making excuses that you're not worshiping, you know, a statue. Therefore, you you don't have an idol. But I had to learn this too, y'all. I was offended. (laughs) So this blog, the link is https colon forward slash forward slash dot org forward slash idol dash worship dash today forward slash okay and this is I'm gonna be quoting so start the quote I'm not saying we should rid ourselves of the things on this list for many of the things that will be impossible rather we need to evaluate our lives to make sure they are in the right order and none of these things have become more important than God to us. When that happens, it's idolatry. With that in mind, here are six modern day idols we still worship. Okay, end quote. Let's get into it. The first one is called our identity. i just had a long talk about this. So let's get into number one. Start the quote. Number one, our identity. It's easy to place our identity in something or someone other than God, whether it be our social media following, our position at work, our abilities slash skills or the achievements we are after. Many have their identity wrapped up in the wrong thing. Not only is this an idol but it's also a tough way to live. If your identity is in your work, your skills, your looks or anything else you will constantly feel like you don't measure up. They are harsh masters but when our identity is secured in God. We can live in freedom. While we will still fall short, God's love will never fail us. For some, their identity has become an item. They have placed more value on who they are rather than in God." I agree with this because I tried to find meaning in life through myself and it took me nowhere. It is only because of God that I am satisfied in life and have confidence it took years to get here because I had to stop trying to be my own God. I didn't create myself. I can't protect or rescue myself from everything. But when I turned to God, I found my protector, my healer, my provider, my everything. I know. I know. You want immediate results and you want things to happen the way you want them to. Again, when I understood that I'm not going to know or understand everything about God, he revealed to me things that when I was ready for it. I'm glad for that because had I been exposed to everything God has given me now, I'd be overwhelmed and would probably be like, this too much. Your relationship with God is a journey. Every day is a new day to where you have to grow and build and do better than the day before. There's no one else like God. If you relate picking someone up, they'll bring it up at least two more times the next day. You'll probably turn into an argument every time you forget to do something because just like humans we can never let stuff go i thank god for being all-knowing forgiving loving and merciful unless you just out here purposely being evil and wanting to destroy god's people because you love darkness god will punish you but if you are trying hard to live for god and have a relationship with him he knows your heart better than you do i hope y'all don't go around saying god knows my heart to excuse your bad behavior, or to continue living how you live in. God is above us. He truly knows your thoughts, your secrets, your entire life. You can lie to people and yourself, but you cannot lie to him. So if you are making yourself and your identity an idol, it's time to step off that pedestal. Number two, start the quote. Money slash consumerism. It doesn't matter if you have money or are broke. The pursuit of money and the acquisition of things is an idol for many in our culture. Many people trust their money more than they trust God. Money isn't the problem. It's how we use and view it that can become a problem. If the motivating factor in your life is money and not God, then that's an idol. So the third one hits close to home for me. Begin the quote. We love entertainment in all forms. Again, as with the other modern day idols, it's not that entertainment is bad. It can be a good thing. But when our lives become all about the search for entertainment and chase of the best experiences we can find, then it's become an idol. It's become more important than God. I would argue that entertainment is good and a gift from God, but we should worship the giver not the gift end quote so this is what i said i started to watch more christian content and there's some really good christian content like movies i've also tried to stop watching a lot of worldly tv shows and movies and now because i did that it seems 10 times worse than when i watched it regularly before for example try to go one week without sugar no sugar at all i mean not even the sugar that you don't add look at the stuff you eating and leave everything that has sugar in it alone. Now, when you go back to eating it after a week, the foods that had the sugar in it, all of a sudden it just tastes like number pure sugar. It's the same with entertainment. Unfortunately, entertainment has made its way into our daily lives to where people who are not in Hollywood or a celebrity want to look and act like these fictional or unrealistic characters. It hurts more when I see children copying it and parents not stopping it, but moving along. Number four, start quote. We are obsessed with sex in our culture. It is everywhere. It might be the only thing we think about more than money. We have taken a gift from God and made it into the God of our lives. And for many, their lives are controlled by sex. The church has some blame for this. Rather than portraying sex as a good gift from God, in recent history, they have heaped guilt and shame. You could argue this is one of the factors that brought the over-exaggeration of sex. But regardless of how we got here, for many today, sex is an idol. We value it more than we do God. End quote. I agree with the church not doing this part in talking about sex. I would also blame adults and parents before, like with entertainment, which is some of what sex is tied to. Sex is everywhere. Unfortunately, people aren't being realistic when it comes to sex education. I learned about sex through my peers in middle school. I believe it's the same for most kids. For parents to have had sex to get us here, it's amazing how many parents don't want to talk about sex with their children. I learned about the birds and the bees, which is a terrible name, by the way, from watching parents on TV shows try to have a PG or PG-13 conversation with their teens about it. Sex is in the songs we sing. Sex is in the movies and TV shows. Sex is a part of life. Personally, I don't think a child is too young to know about sex. I didn't say a baby or a toddler because they have to have some comprehension of words and meanings, people, and bodies. No, you don't have to start out with the details, but tell them where babies come from, then work your way up as they grow older. Just don't wait until they are a teenager. I promise you, their friends are either talking about it or telling them about their own experiences. Talk to your kids. Now adults have self-control. I no longer judge the world because the world is sin. I judge those who call themselves saved. When you are saved, you know better. Sex was designed by God for marriage and the pleasure of procreation. If you can't live without sex, you'll die a slave to it. And that goes for all these idols. I'm going to come back to this in part three of That's Offensive, my other episode, which will be called Unequally Yoked. So the next one is comfort. Begin quote. This is number five. There is an endless list of products promising to satisfy and add comfort to your life. We have made our lives much easier and much more comfortable than at any other time in history. Tasks that used to take all day can be done in minutes. Many menial tasks are now automated. While that's a good thing, our pursuit in life should not be comfort alone. Jesus tells a very different narrative for his followers. He says that his followers will face trials, persecution, and difficulty. While comfort isn't bad, it can become damaging when it becomes the main pursuit in life. When comfort is an idol, we will struggle when God calls us to do something different. Even I had to read this one to the end to agree because they're right. I've heard too many times of how God will bless people to break generational curses and make them prosperous if they add to the collection plate if they sow a seed of a hundred dollars if they join this church shout hallelujah and sing with the choir just stop you cannot buy blessings if you choose to start a business and it becomes a success that's good if you choose to donate to a nonprofit and someone blesses you with a new house or car that's great but listen these are things things of comfort we cannot buy our way into heaven and we cannot work our way to heaven. God didn't promise us tomorrow and God didn't promise us comfort. The truth is we've been paid for already. And to let you know how we've been paid for, um, here's a Bible verse. That's First Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. And it reads, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God gave us the promise of eternal life. That's the promise he gave us. OK, I'm going to read that Bible verse. That's John chapter 17, verse three. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. There's another one, Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's one more, 1 John 2, verse 25, and this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. So one day Jesus will return, and leading up to that moment, there won't be much comfort. But as long as you remain faithful to him, it won't even matter about worldly comfort. I am reminded that even though I live in America, there are people in this same country who are suffering, let alone in other countries who are suffering. Honestly, as long as I have God, he's all the comfort I need. This is number six. Quote begins, our phones. For many, they simply cannot live without their phones or online presence. This is quickly becoming an idol for many. The problem isn't our phones, our social media, or any form of technology. It's the value we place on it that makes it a problem. When our lives revolve around how many likes we get, what our following looks like, or if we can't sit in silence for five minutes without refreshing our newsfeed, we might have an idol. End quote. I said, there's no might it is an idol y'all i think about this often how convenient our phones have become i went from having no cell phone until my freshman year in college and it was a flip phone to saying i'd never get a smartphone because of the annoying apps that you have to download in between that time i did have my little blackberry copycat but i would use it to get on twitter and facebook even though it looked like an old website from 1998 and not what it would have on a computer in 2010. anyway I'm in between a late majority and a laggard when it comes to the buying of technology. No matter how many people talked about Adobe's InDesign and Photoshop, especially for creators like myself, I held strong onto PowerPoint doing wonderful and awesome things. Okay, shout out to the PowerPoint. Fast forward to today and all you need is a Canva account for the free, y'all. Don't get caught up in the hype, especially when you recognize that you have an idol in your life. Like I said at the start of this episode, too much of anything is bad except for God. You can never get enough of God. Do y'all know how big God is? He is where you are right now. When you call on Him, when you pray to Him, when you could be in your car, in the bathroom, in your bedroom, you could be at a stove, you can be in a drive-thru, you can be in an airplane, you can be on a train. God is everywhere, okay? So if you've ever been taught to believe that you can fit God into your pocket or that he only in your church when you in there, read the Bible for yourself, honey. That's all I'm saying. Okay. now back to the blog, which ends with this quote begins. This isn't a list of things to avoid or a list we should use to beat ourselves down or ammo to shoot at others. This is a list of things that can take the place of God in our lives. When a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, ultimately it becomes a destructive thing in our lives. That's idolatry. What we should do with this list is use it to prayerfully evaluate our lives to make sure nothing has become more important to us than God. We should each ask ourselves, what is an idol in my life? So how do you know if something has become an idol? Here are four questions to ask yourself to help you identify idols in your life. I'm stopping. So here are four questions they said to ask. Where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my money? Where do I get my joy? (laughs) What's always on my mind? Actually, think about those questions. They will lead you to what either is an idol or what you might be tempted to make an idol. Spend some time in prayer, asking and seeking what is an idol in your life. Idol worship today might look different, but it still exists. We shouldn't let anything, even a good thing, take the place of God in our life. End quote. This blog did a good job of listing idols of today. I did go to another blog to find more idols, and some of them can be subcategories for the ones we just went over, but I would like you to think about a few more like food, work, relationships with other people. Remember that God gives us the freedom to choose, but it's what we do with that. If you want God in your life, give your life to him. The best place to go first is His Word, the Bible. Because we live in this day and age, there are many commentaries and resources online to help you better study and understand the Word. At the same time, always pray for discernment and guidance for God to help you to understand the truth and to avoid anything that is not of God. If you are interested, my resources are blueletterbible.org, bibletrack.org, enduringword.com. I use these three sites to break down words and put it in context, give history or background info that I'm not privy to, especially because I was and still am new to the word. This is my second year. For visual resources on YouTube, I watch AOC Network, it stands for ambassadors of Christ, creates wonderful documentary type movies that goes into detail into the Bible, breaking down scripture like a detective, the Bible Project has a short cartoon drawing that summarizes each book of the Bible. It's very helpful if you haven't read a book in the Bible or need a reminder. Of all my resources though, Truth Unedited is the best. He digs the deepest out of all of them, going beyond the text. Many of his videos hit close to home and it's necessary. Start by watching his series called History of Religion. It's done in cartoon form, And I've read comments that parents also watch it with their children, which is great. Kids need to know God, too. Finally, I'm big on which version of the Bible to read because there's a lot of editing going on from the past and even today. Because the King James Version is the first to be translated to English, that's the one you want to make sure the version of the Bible you read relates closely back to that one. The New King James Version is great for those of us who have a hard time following along with the early modern English. Even though it's become easier for me to understand because of the King James Version, I still read the New King James Version because it reads like we talked today. Last but not least, BibleGateway.com is where you can go to read the Bible online or download the app. They have about every version that's printed If you are a physical book kind of person, King James Version and New King James Version is sold in stores and online, you know. And again, I'm not telling you, oh, don't read that version, don't read that version. I'm just saying make sure it relates back closely to the King James Version because, again, some of these Bible versions out here be taking stuff out, adding stuff, and flipping and scraping, okay? Again, I hope in all that I said that I did not offend you. But at the same time, I hope I got you thinking about your life because God's word is true. God is perfect. Jesus is perfect. Go to him for salvation. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. I'll be back for part three. Info ver, ver soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Carrizes Here podcast. We would love to be a part of your life. So leave us a review right now and remember don't be a stranger be a character be a character